Um, so this morning we are carrying on uh, in the book of Mark. We are doing a brand new series um, called The King and His Cross. Uh, we've been doing it for the last month or so. We're, we're still in chapter one. We're really going through it passage by passage, uh, verse by verse. And so we are carrying on this morning in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, for those of you who haven't been around before, uh, we're reading the Gospel of Mark. It was surprisingly written by Mark uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, and so it's it's um, as close to eyewitnesses' accounts as we can get uh, as to what was happening around the time of Jesus' life. And so we're going through each um, passage each week just now, just looking at what did Jesus do on his journey towards the cross? What was it that made him stand out so much from the crowd that, that thousands of years later, people are still following his teachings, following uh, after him and seeking him? What was it that was such a big contrast where we don't talk about any other rabbi at the time, uh, but we still talk about Jesus? And so we're picking up today. Uh, last week, we saw Jesus call his disciples for the first time. Uh, we saw him start to gather his little group of people who were going to be following around after him. Um, and uh, this week we're heading out to see the, kind of the first time that Jesus preaches uh, and, and invites uh, the power of God to come into people's lives in a personal way uh, that just transforms their lives. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Rob, could you maybe turn the gain down just slightly on this? Um, and so we're going to see um, how, what does Jesus do that invites heaven's power to come on earth? What was it about the way Jesus did things that caused uh, God to move in such a powerful way in the lives of the people he interacted with? And so we're going to be looking this morning at Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 34. If you don't have a Bible, you can stick your hand up just now. There are Bibles on the end of the rows, and one of them will make its way along to you if you need one. If you don't have one in your life, uh, full stop, please take one of our Bibles away with you today and consider that your Bible from this point forward. So we're going to be reading Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 34. And what we see in this passage is, is breathtaking, it's spectacular. It's Jesus interacting in an incredible way uh, with, with people who are just desperate for a touch from him. And so let's read through it together. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed. They asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases he also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was and I guess the question we want to ask this morning is what caused the whole town to gather when Jesus was in that place what caused this whole town to come to the door desperately seeking a touch from the king and so we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. And the first thing uh, that really jumps out is this. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the authority. 
It's worth noting that this trip to Capernaum comes not far off the heels of Jesus being baptized. He's just freshly heard the voice of his father in his ear saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's just uh, had the Holy Spirit rest upon him after that moment of baptism. And so Jesus goes into this place knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt who he is and whose he is. He is Jesus. He's the son of God. He belongs to the father. That means he knows that the Holy Spirit is alive and at work within him. As he walks into this place, he is absolutely certain about the authority that he has. It mentions a few times in the passage that he has the authority to teach. He has the authority to cast out evil spirits. He has the authority to do what he has came there to do, to heal. It's incredible. Jesus, every word, Jesus, every action is laced with authority. At no point do we get any sense of uncertainty from Jesus. He doesn't say, well, bring people here and we'll pray and we'll see what happens. People come to him and they are assured that they will be healed because Jesus has the authority to do that. He's the son of God. Um, When I first graduated from university, um, I applied for lots of jobs uh, when I finished university and I got hardly any interviews, but I got this one interview uh, to work with the Yellow Pages and Yell.com and I remember going in for the interview and I felt like such a kid. I was just out the back of university. I'd never had really like, this was me going for my first proper grown-up job basically. And so I bought a suit and I felt like, you know when you see kids in their their school uniform for the first time and it looks slightly too big for them and it doesn't, I felt like that in my suit. It just felt so unnerving natural but I went in for this interview and I I got into town and I I looked up the address and I got to the address of the building and it was huge they had this massive building in Glasgow and it was all glass up the front and it had sliding glass doors and I was feeling intimidated before but when I saw the building I started to feel more intimidated I was like these guys look like they really know what they're doing they're going to find me out really quickly here that I don't know what I'm doing so I went inside uh, and they had a receptionist and everything. There was a person at the desk like you see in the movies who was like, oh, yes, I'll phone up Mr. Such and Such. He'll be expecting you. And the person came down and got me. And then they took me upstairs and they had a key card. They had this key card with their name on it and a picture on it. And they swiped it on doors and they could get through doors. It was like something out of Star Trek. I'd never seen such technology before. And the whole day people would move me around. And this key card was the key to the whole operation. It logged you into the computer system. It logged you onto the phone system. It got you into the doors and everything so every time I wanted to go to the toilet I had to get someone with a key card to let me go to the toilet every time I had to keep asking people with a key card to let me out from a break all of that stuff at this interview it was like a whole day long anyway I got the job and on day one I was issued with my very own key card and I have to say I found that more exciting than the first wage packet that I got because this key card was amazing I could go in in the morning I swiped it on the door the doors opened before me and then it also gave me access to the stationery cupboard as well so all of my parents and and family and everyone got yell.com mouse mats and yell.com pencils for Christmas that year it was a free source of uh, gifts forever but this key card changed from the moment when I was at the interview, I needed someone else to do it for me. Then I was given my own key card and I could go everywhere and do everything that I needed to do. In the same way with Jesus, he has the authority. When we see Jesus casting out the evil spirit, when we see him teaching in the temple, when we see him healing Simon's mother-in-law, he has the authority because he has been given the authority by the Father. Like when I received that key card, I knew I could get in and out of every door in the building 
He has received authority from the Father, and he knows that when he speaks to evil spirits, they cannot be there any longer. He knows that when he speaks to illness, it cannot stay in someone's body. He knows when he teaches that wisdom and truth are going to be given to the people who listen. You see, Jesus wasn't the only person to teach in the temple. And equally, he wouldn't have been the only person claiming to perform miracles at that time either. But in this passage, we see, it says the word, the the crowd were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed at what he said. Something about what he said and how he delivered it stood in stark contrast to everything else that people were hearing at that time. Again, when when he he said to the, the evil spirit, be gone, people were amazed. While there was people... Uh, claiming to perform miracles all across the region, something about the way Jesus did it stood in stark contrast to what anyone else brought to the table. And the reason for that was that he had the authority to do it. Interestingly as well, the evil spirit inside the man recognizes Jesus' authority as well. He sees who he is. You are Jesus of Nazareth. He sees him as a man, but then he sees him as fully God as well because he says, you are the Holy One of God. And the evil spirit knows that it cannot stay there. Evil cannot remain in the presence of Jesus. He can't put up a fight. He can't do anything other than go. Jesus tells him to go and it goes. In John chapter 1 verse 14, we hear about who Jesus is and it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. (coughs) Jesus was God's very word incarnate, walking and talking and breathing life into the people that he met on a daily basis. He was the word of God. He had the authority to speak and to bring God's heart for each and every person to every situation. So one of the reasons that the crowd gathered at the door is that Jesus has the authority He has the authority and people recognize that. There's something different about the way he's doing things and they want to gather and see what's going on. And maybe for some of us in the room today, we desperately need to know that Jesus has the authority over the things that are going on in our lives. Maybe for some of us today, we're really wrestling uh, with illness and sickness or we've got family members who are really struggling with illness and sickness. What we read in the Bible is that Jesus has the authority. We can seek him. We can seek him in those moments where we uh, have nothing to bring to the table. Jesus has everything to bring to the table. Maybe for some of us, we're struggling uh, with our thoughts and how we think about ourselves or how we see ourselves. And again, Jesus has the authority. It's his word that stands true. His voice stands in stark contrast to all the other voices that we'll hear because he has the authority to speak into our lives in a way that nobody else can. So it's clear that Jesus has been given the authority to do what he needs to do from the Father. He knew it. He knew that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew that that he had uh, the power to go and do what he needed to do, but it didn't stay there. It didn't stay as head knowledge for him. He didn't just accept that he was the Son of God that he was uh, the, the Almighty, the Holy One of God. And he, was, he didn't just stay there. He didn't just say, okay, that's great that I know that. But actually, authority for him had to lead to action. The authority led to action. We find Jesus in the synagogue, and he steps up to teach. 
And in the synagogue, there would have been rabbis there who people would have considered much uh, further down the line than him, more wise than him, more experienced than him. It would have been a a difficult situation to stand up in. Can you imagine if you were fresh into your job just now and you stood up to give a a sort of um, a a performance overview or something like that in front of all of your big bosses? It would be that kind of situation where you know there's people in the room who've, who've got more experience than you. But Jesus isn't put off by that. He stands up and speaks with authority because he knows what God's heart is for his people and he knows that he's been given the authority. He knows he has a message to share. Again, when, when the man with the, the impure spirit stands before him and calls him out, in that moment, he could have just backed down. He could have just said, okay, like, I don't want to cause a scene. Like, we'll just go, like, that's fine. But he doesn't. He stares at that impure spirit in the, in the eyes and he says, you be gone, you don't belong here. You need to go. Then he's invited to Simon's house and Simon's mother-in-law is, is upstairs and she's really unwell. And it would have been easy for Jesus to say, actually, I've got a million and one things I need to do. Or it would be easier for him to say, actually, that's, that's quite a big thing to heal somebody. I'm a bit tired after all the preaching I've been doing today. But he doesn't. He goes directly to her bedside. He just grabs hold of her hand and she's instantly healed. For her, she encountered uh, the unlimited nature of heaven's resources right there in her bedroom. Because Jesus' authority led to action. He went to her. He brought a personal touch from God right into her bedroom when she was lying there with the lemsip and everything else trying to get over a fever. It's incredible. He's compelled to action. It doesn't just remain a, a sense of self-important authority that he has. The authority is leading to action because he's compelled by compassion. He's come from the Father, so he knows the Father's heart for each and every person he's encountering. He doesn't see strangers coming up to him, looking for something from him. He sees lost sons and daughters that the Father is desperate to bring back into the family. The authority had to lead to action. For my fifth birthday, uh, I received lots of exciting gifts. But for some reason, and I'm still not entirely sure why up until this day, one of my relatives thought it would be a good idea to give me a dog made entirely of marzipan. Um, I don't know why they chose that. I don't know. Like, can we do a quick stropo? Hands up in the room if you enjoy marzipan. Hands up if you definitely don't enjoy marzipan. It's the Marmite of the confectionery world, isn't it? Like, some people love it and some people hate it. Anyway, my, my aunt gave me a marzipan dog, and I hate marzipan. Like, the thought of, like, eating it would literally make me sick. And so my family assumed that they would then get to eat the marzipan dog, but I was not for that because this was my marzipan dog. So I kept it hidden in my bedroom, and I didn't want anyone else to experience it because I was like, this is mine. Nobody else should get it. Eventually what happened is my mum traded off the marzipan dog with me for a real cuddly toy dog in a sort of hostage negotiation situation (laughs) where I I let the marzipan dog go. She sneaked the dog around at the same time, and everyone won in the end. But can you imagine if Jesus uh, treated his authority like I treated that marzipan? dog is treated a word is that the right word treat no treated <laughs> feels wrong somehow <laughs> Tret. can you imagine though if jesus had done the same thing and he just said you know this is mine it's good for me i'm just going to keep it here you guys can figure it out for yourselves i know i've got the authority but it's mine to do what i want with he could never have done that Nobody would have seen firsthand the power of heaven rend open and pour out over and over again God's goodness. Nobody would have got to experience the Father's love 
personally invading their lives in a way that was undeniable and irresistible. For Jesus, the authority had to lead to action. So what does that mean for us as we sit here today? What does that mean for us as a family of people who are followers of Jesus? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, it says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says this. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who as a deposit is guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When we read through the scriptures, two things become really clear for us as followers of Jesus. Number one, we have the same authority that was given to Jesus to go into the world and draw people back to the Father. We have that same authority. As Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit invaded earth and we, we are now in the same position as Jesus. We have that same authority to go to people who desperately need a touch from the king and bring a touch from the king into those situations. Number two, the same power of the Holy Spirit that resided in Jesus also resides in us today. So not only do we have the authority to go into the deepest, darkest places, into the lives of those around us and gather them back to the Father, but the same power that Jesus was ministering in that saw people healed, that saw impure spirits driven out, that saw uh, truth and wisdom taught, that saw people raised from the dead, that same power is alive and at work within us today. William Temple uh, says this, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. And Oswald Chambers says this, when it's a question of God's almighty spirit, never say I can't. As a vineyard church, we believe uh, that the power of the Holy Spirit is alive and at work today. That's one of the hallmarks of, of the vineyard church family. We believe that. We believe that uh, today God can heal illnesses uh, from the common cold uh, right through to illnesses that are uh, medically incurable. We believe that God can do that. We believe that God uh, can cast evil out of people, out of situations, and that it cannot stand in his presence. We believe that today. That is what our church is about. We believe that God can uh, bring financial provision from the tiniest amount that's needed through to the craziest, most spiraling situations. We believe that God can miraculously bring provision in those places. We believe that God can do anything. His, God, his, his grace is love in action. It's got nothing to do with the recipient. It's got nothing to do with what they've done to earn it, what they've done to deserve it, how closely they've been walking with him, how holy a life they've been living. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the unconditional love of the Father who longs to give it. Authority has to lead to action. So for us as a church, we, we have to take the authority that's been given to us and, and take it to the streets. Take it to our neighbours. Take it to our work colleagues. Take it to our friends and our families. That means offering to pray with sick colleagues even when it feels awkward. That means uh, offering to pray with our neighbours when they're struggling financially. 
That means offering uh, to that means offering to pray with people for every situation where God has the, the possibility to do something. Because we are God's light in this world. We have the authority to go into the world and God's Holy Spirit power is alive and at work within us to see those situations change. We can't rest on that truth. We can't wait for someone else to do it. It's us. It's not the person sitting next to us. It's us. We cannot be bystanders. We've been very clearly charged by Jesus to bring good news into this world and to bring the resources and power of heaven into the situations we encounter on a daily basis. Authority has to lead to action. And so finally then, we see in this passage, Jesus has the authority, his authority leads to action, and the result of that is that the whole town gathers. The whole town gathers. Not a few people, not most of the people, not some of the people, but the whole town gathers to see what Jesus is doing and what he's all about. It says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The kingdom of heaven was invading the lives of the people in Capernaum in a way they had never experienced before, in a way that was in complete contrast to anything they'd ever experienced of religion up until that point. And something about that was so sweet that everyone had to be around it. The people who were directly, uh, who, who directly heard from Jesus then went away and invited their friends and told people about it. They said, you have to come and see what's happening. This guy is healing the sick. This guy is driving out evil spirits. This guy is teaching with words that we have never heard before that ring so true to my soul that you need to come and see what's going on here. The whole town gathered. People were so intrigued that they cancelled whatever plans they had. They got babysitters for their kids. They did everything they could to make sure that they were at Simon's mother-in-law's door to see what on earth was going on with this guy. The whole town gathered. A few years ago, I had um, the unbelievable privilege of uh, going out to Iris Ministries uh, in Mozambique. It's led up by a woman called Heidi Baker. You might have heard of her before. Um, But for those of you who don't know her, Heidi Baker, she's an American lady. uh, And a few years ago, she heard God speak to her really clearly and say, um, you have to go and love uh, the Macau people. And she had no idea who the Macau people were. So she had to go and research and she found out they, they live in Mozambique. It's people who are native to Mozambique. And so she sold everything she had. She put everything away. She got rid of all her stuff. She bought a one-way ticket to Mozambique and she went out there uh, and, and just was like, God, I'm here. I'm going to love your people. Uh, do what you want. And over the course of a few years, they established a couple of orphanages where uh, lots of ab- abandoned babies in the cities of Pemba uh, and, and Maputo uh, get brought to them where they would normally have just been dumped outside police stations or anything like that. They have a bunch of kids who are living uh, lives that are fruitful and prosperous because of what they've been able to do. But uh, one of the things that they do is she is absolutely certain she's been called to to bring the good news of the gospel to the people of Mozambique, especially in remote situations. And so what they do, they get this big lorry. uh, It's got a big white side on it. They drive it out to a village where people have never heard about Jesus before. They play the Jesus movie where it talks about who Jesus is uh, in a Macau translation. And then they say to them, bring out your sick people. Bring out anyone who's sick, anyone who's deaf, anyone who's blind, Bring them out and watch what Jesus can do. 
And so they do. These people come out after watching the Jesus movie. They come out and they pray with them. And time and time and time again, they see people completely healed of deafness and blindness. Who've, people who have suffered lifelong with blindness and deafness are, are healed in an instant. And in that moment, as people start to see what Jesus is doing, the whole village gathers around and they're like, what on earth is going on here? And so suddenly more and more people start coming out to see what's happening. And then they've been training up pastors in the background. So they leave a pastor and a team in that village. They establish a church. And then suddenly where a whole village didn't know about Jesus, now a whole village knows about Jesus. They have a pastor who looks after them and they have a church that they come to every single Sunday morning that starts doing stuff in the community. It's incredible. The first few times she did that, she said it was the scariest thing she'd ever done. People would chase them out of the village with knives and stuff like that and spears. But she said it was, it was, it was really hard. But the more she did it and the more she saw God delivering on his promises, the thing that was once really scary became her new normal. That was her normal way of being. That was, that was a normal weekend for her, was to go out to one of these villages and see a whole village saved and a bunch of people uh, miraculously healed. That became the normal. That wasn't the scary thought. That was the normal. Jesus, in this one day in Capernaum, demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God in a way that was attractive, it was personal, and it was undeniable. And because of this, people had to gather around. They had to see what was going on. They had to find out what on earth is going on with this Jesus guy. They had to. They couldn't not find out what was going on. The whole town gathered, desperate for a touch from the king. And so here's the million-dollar question for us. What does it look like for us today as followers of Jesus to live in a way that is so attractive to the people around about us that the whole town gathers at our church doors on a Sunday morning, desperate to find out what on earth is going on? What does that look like for us? to live in a way where people are experiencing and encountering the power of the kingdom of God on such a regular basis that they're telling their friends that they're finding out more and they want to be here, that there's a queue at the door saying, how do we find out more about Jesus? How do we purposely act on the authority that's been given to us? How do we move in the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that draws people back to the Father? Matthew 10 Verse 7 says this, as you go, proclaim this message. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. The kingdom of heaven has come, come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. And I just wonder for us sometimes, for me personally, I know this is the case, the risk of God not doing something when we step out means that we don't step out as much as we should. For me, I know that's the case. If I'm putting my hands up before you guys, personally, that happens to me a lot. That the risk of God maybe not doing something holds me back from going to a place where God could potentially do something. And so I know that God is on my case personally with this. I know that he is saying to me, you need to step out. You need to be bold and courageous. You need to go and take uh, the power of the kingdom of heaven to the darkest places and the most desperate situations. And I wonder if that's not just a word for me this morning. I wonder if that's something for us as a church that we might have to wrestle with and grapple with a little bit. We live in the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has died. He's he's been resurrected. And so the power of the kingdom is here. But he's not come again yet. So it's not fully here yet. We live in that tension. But we can't let the tension of maybe something not happening hold us back from going to the places where something could happen. 
We have to be willing to, to, to take uh, a hit on our own pride and our own uh, sense of self-importance and step out and be willing to make uh, some mistakes and be willing to look a little foolish because the flip side of that is when we do that, God has the opportunity for heaven to invade earth in the same way that happened in Capernaum with Jesus. And our community will be radically transformed. You know, can you imagine if for our neighbours, we start praying for our neighbours, one of our neighbours says, I've got the flu, or I've got this thing going on, and I can't seem to shift it. And so we go, we go to the shop, we get them some Lemsip, we take it around, we chat at the door and we say, hey, got you some Lemsip. You know what? I believe God can heal you of this right now. I'm your neighbour. I believe in Jesus. It'd be really weird if I didn't pray for you. Can I just pray for you quickly? We pray for them. Can you imagine if your neighbour just miraculously gets healed of their cold or flu in that moment? Heaven would have invaded earth in, in, their, in their life in a way that's almost undeniable. You know, can you imagine what it would look like if, if we were so purposeful and persistent in praying for the breaking of addiction in our community that it was something that we did not let go and that we took God's authority into and that all of our local drug dealers turned up here on a Sunday morning convicted of their guilt not knowing where else to go but to the church. Do you not think the whole town would start gathering if something like that happened? And so there's a challenge for us. This is a moment for us. We don't want to just do church. We want to see heaven invade earth in a way that is undeniable, that is attractive, and that draws people back to the Father. We want to take the authority that's been given to us. We want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us to see this place changed. And as this place changes and people are drawn towards Jesus, the next place along changes too because the story spreads and the word spreads and everything points back to Jesus. That's the best thing about it. It's nothing to do with our skill, how well we pray, how close we are to reading our Bibles or anything like that. Nothing about how great we are. Everything points back to Jesus. And people are drawn back into a relationship with the Father and their eternal destiny is changed forever. I want that. Do we want that? Do we want that though? Do we really want that? Why don't we stand and we'll pray together?